Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Hey, welcome back, everybody. They say that we all have a, a relationship with food. I totally believe it. All different types of relationships, all different times that that relationship can change. Today, we're going to look at food and how it relates to love and connection. I'm intrigued. I wonder where we're going with this. Rena Miller is a psychotherapist. She's back with us. She kind of put this whole thing together. We have a title for this podcast. What do we call it? Is it Love and love. Connection, right? LA, we're the LAC podcasters. Love and Connection, yes. Gotcha. Um, would you like to begin about this connection with food and love? This is going to be Jonathan's uh, intro. Go ahead, Jonathan. Well, when thinking about love and connection, the first thing that came to my head is food. Because whenever I think about getting my friends and my family and my loved ones together, it's usually around the dinner table um, of, with food of some sort. I didn't realize growing up that I had it lucky compared to some other people. I had a privilege of my parents making homemade meals and bringing us all together every night for dinner. The older I grew, the more I realized that Food is a uniter. And even though I was lucky in that moment and not everybody could have that, that's a significant thing for most people. One of my favorite events to do with friends is to go out and have shared meals where we all have a shared family style meal. And if I went in doubt when I'm getting friends together, I make a meal for everybody to come and have uh, before a game night or we go out somewhere or what have you. So my question for the group for the conversation today was – what food do you associate when you close your eyes with comfort and love and connection? What's that food for you? And while you're ruminating on that, I'll tell you about mine because I'm smelling it right now. It's filling my home. Um, red beans and rice, the New Orleans uh, style food. That's the one for me. Uh, my parents made it or my mom, when my mom couldn't <laughs> make it, my dad made it. But every son, every Monday. Uh, it's a tradition that's passed down from New Orleans. It was Monday was the chef's day off. So they needed something easy to put on the stove that they could cook for the entire household. And that came down generations and generations until it got to my middle class family. And now it's just that was mom's day off. We got to make we got to throw the pot on the stove and smell the garlic and the veggies and the beans fill the house throughout the Monday. And I knew that my favorite meal was coming at the end of the day. So. That one's always associated very strongly with um, love and family. And it was very important for me that anyone I ended up with also loved that meal. So um, wow. it was a first first date test or first uh, at home dinner test for me whenever I was dating someone. And it's like, do you like this? How's this for you? <laughs> <laughs> hmm, interesting. So. Now, when we talk about the food or dish that brings back a memory are we also talking about the comfort foods? Like one that's yeah, exactly it. Yeah. Hmm. I have to say, you know, Jonathan, when we, when we talked about this the last time, a food did not come to me, but what came to me when you started talking about the privilege you had in your family, it made me think about, I'm, I'm Jamaican on both sides and my mother my mother would send me in Plainfield, New Jersey to this Jamaican store to buy a, the national fruit. I think it's called, a, it, it's a fruit of Jamaica called Aki. 
And because it can get spoiled, it's illegal to be sold in this country. And I, and this is probably what helped me become a rule breaker in life because I felt so cool going to this store and saying, can I have some Aki please? And it was handed, it came from under the counter and it was handed to me and I was like, Woo-hoo! so, but also I realized, I realized that my family, we had some traditional Jamaican meals, wow. rice and peas and everything like that. And and I do realize that, you know, some of my cousins who were not Jamaican on both sides did not get that same connection to Jamaican food. And so I was at a loss last week until you started talking about sort of that family privilege of, of that tradition. And when I come back, I lived for too many decades in the Pacific Northwest. And the second I would come to New Jersey, I want to go to a Jamaican store and get Jamaican patties. That that was my little thing. So- my, my first thought here, Rena, is we need to legalize Aki. I'm going to start the movement. <laughs> legalize Aki. There's no reason why. Uh, and by the way, Wagwan. What's that? Wagwan. White wine? Wagwan. Jamaican for what's going on. Oh, Lord. I think, I think, you, I think somehow. <laughs> then come through I clear. You're patois. That's Lithuanian accent. That's what it is. Uh, you know, for, for me, it's not that the meal, the family meal, my comfort thing is a chocolate milkshake. Mm-hmm. And I honestly don't know why until about a year ago, and take it with a grain of salt if you believe in this or not, but I have lots of friends who have intuition, psychic ability, if you will. And one of them said, your dad's coming through. He passed when I was 21. My parents got divorced when I was very young. So I didn't see him that much. But they said, your dad's coming through. What's up with a chocolate milkshake? And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. No, chocolate milkshake. I'm like, got nothing. Then I thought for a second, I'm like, oh my gosh. My dad used to visit and it came back then. It was sold in a cup and it had all the fixings and everything you needed for a really good milkshake. You just added milk, shake it up. I'm talking when I was like three and four and five and seven. And now I know why I like a chocolate milkshake. I never knew why I had an affinity for it. I don't drink it a lot. You know, it's not the greatest thing for you. Maybe once a month or whatever, I'll have one as a treat. But then it, it came from that person mentioning that. I was like, oh. So for me, that that is kind of my comfort food. It's a chocolate milkshake. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. How about you, Philip? So I... I grew up in a family uh, of people who did not cook. My mother was a depression era kid. My father was, uh, uh, you know, more orphan almost. And um, so they, they did very utilitarian food. But what I really, I, and it's, it's always struck me is that it's the, it's the smell of, of food cooking the smell of bread baking, the smell of meat. Um, and and you know that you're going to get together for a group thing, right? It 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 that those smells, they're like magnets. And um both my sister and I sort of as as our, our rebellion against our parents learned to cook. Uh and so um when possible, I'll invite people over, I'll help have you know, a big spread 
and the house will just be filled with these smells. And it is the smell of people coming together. It is the smell of conversation. And I, it is, it is amazing how deep that is, right? That is, if you, if you walk past a house and you smell something good, it's hard not to go up to the door and say, hi, can I come in? This looks really nice. I just can't resist. Do you mind some company? <laughs> so um, I just, I'm, I'm amazed at, at the power that that has and how you, you make the right smells and you make the right sounds and it is, it's, it's instant community. You can't really do anything other than feel welcomed in that, in that space. Hmm. I think when you say that, Philip, we all think of that, even just walking through a neighborhood and picking up a smell of somebody cooking something. It's like, whoa, they got something going on over there and we know it's good. <laughs> yes. And you know that it's going to be a good time, right? You do yeah, not yeah. have, you know, uh, those sorts of smells coming out of a place that is going to be, you know, drudgery. You know, right. that, that's, that's, you know, diesel. Sure. Factory smells. Sure. Roast beef. No. <laughs> How about you, G? Oh, I think you're muted. I think you might be muted. Uh-oh. It doesn't say that you're muted. Okay. Oh, there we go. We hear you now. How about now? Yep. Yep. Perfect. Good. All right. Cool. Um, yeah. So, so for me, so many things come to mind. Um, I was really fortunate to live in France for a year last year. And um, that, like the first thing that everyone asks about is food. What was the food like? How was it? Because that's for so many people, the connection point. That's how you get to experience culture. If you don't have the privilege of traveling, you know, a lot of time your closest approximation is, is going to a restaurant that has a, a cuisine that's different from the one that you might be used to at home. Um, and so, yeah, I just kind of wanted to, to share my experience of being welcomed into, um, my friend's home in France, um, we'd gone clamming, got some clams from the coast, came back and had a proper clam meal. Everyone made a different dish with all the clams. Um, and each of them kind of harkened back to whatever was comforting for each of us. I made clam chowder. That was like my favorite soup growing up. Um, my friends, they made clam farsi. There was some Italian food. Um, just whatever, whatever felt like connection. And it was all shared. All the, all the work was shared. All the, the gathering was shared. All the cleaning up was shared. Um, and yeah, it was a really beautiful way to kind of share culture with each other. Hmm. Why do we make these connections with food? Is it the aroma? Is it obviously it's the people it's always people connected, but where does that connection come from? Scent and memory are very closely connected. Rena, you look you looked ready with this question. <laughs> it wasn't an exact answer to Steve's question, but it was it it's it's connected though. And and it, and because the very first thing I'm remembering in the 90s when I was in Seattle and I had a great group of friends, and I just remember being out at a restaurant or at another table somewhere and the feeling kind of at the end of a meal of leaning back 
There was just this feeling of leaning back after eating with lovely humans where I just felt like I was so content. And I have to say that is something I'm looking forward to more of here in New York City is be leaning back with a group of people. And, and like Phil said, it means conversation. It means it means us coming together. It's so lovely to go to a restaurant with different people because they're going to order things you wouldn't think of ordering. And then I try things I would never order if I were not with them, you know, and and that's that's a huge thing about love and connection is talking to somebody you wouldn't talk to. I mean, this is off the topic of food, but just even up the street, they're selling Christmas trees. And I did not know that you could cut off the bottom of a Christmas tree, bring it into your home, heat it up on the stove, and your home will smell like pine. And I just looked at them and was like, I would not know this if I were not standing here talking to you right now. And you know what I think it is? There's always a people connection when it comes to food, because even if you go to a restaurant alone, you just walk in. Yep. There's, yep. you know, you're getting the energy, collective energy of people. You know, it's going to be good, right? How bad is it going to be? You're not usually going to see somebody at a restaurant. I'm miserable. I remember. No, <laughs> it's not usually not going to happen. Right. And, Save that for the bar. <laughs> and, it, and it's also meals and something. I went Christmas shopping yesterday with somebody and we're just about done. I'm like, hey, want to go get something to eat? Mm-hmm. because it it's almost like it it's like the bow on a present you know it's just like kind of wraps up the day and then what do you get to do it's a different experience you're talking there's people around you you know if you want to bet the waiter the server all of that so you know i'm getting the connection that there is a connection to people when it comes to food yeah i mean i i'm i'm, I'm so I, I wrote a book and one of the things it talks about is, and we'll talk about this in a different podcast about how technology has affected what we are. Well, cooking is one of the oldest technologies there is. Hmm. And the reason that we cook our food is because it breaks down the calories so that we can digest easier. Uh, we basically are the only species that starts to digest our food outside of our bodies. But it requires cooking. Cooking used to be really hard. You had to make fire. You had to bring the animal in. We always had these big group meals when we were figuring out how to work as, as, as groups of people. It goes so far back. It is so deep mm. that um, you, you cannot survive as a, as, as a person without cooking your food. And you cannot survive as a person without having a group to help gather and cook the food. And we're talking you know, evening dinner, leaning back, having that that post-dinner conversation, that goes back 10, 20, 30,000 years is how long we've been doing this. Do you think it, Phil, do you think it's very evolutionary? It's just in us, our DNA. It is in us. It is in our DNA. I mean, mm. it, it's so funny to look at, at animals that don't cook their food, right? Everything about them is different. We have these tiny little intestines, right? We literally cannot live without cooking our food. And we cannot cook our food without getting together in groups. I was going to say I eat cold pizza, but it had to be cooked at one point. It had to be cooked at one point. It had to be. The stuff that comes in boxes, you know, is I'm not sure we can call it cooking, but it was prepared, right? And the oldest recipes, right? Beer and bread. 
which are great, by the way. <laughs> which are great. Which <laughs> you, are great. I mean, think about it. Now think about it. You know, I'll get together with friends. We enjoy, you know, craft beers. We like different flavors and things like that. I know it's not the best for you. Who, unless you have very um, severe gluten intolerance, get that. Who doesn't like bread? To your mm-hmm. point. Usually, even if somebody has a gluten issue, they're going to say, well, I like, you know, I like a little piece of bread every once in a while. Usually. Absolutely. And, you know, if you're in France, it's it's instead of beer and bread, it's wine and bread. And then, you know, the next oldest recipe there is. True. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 the most important way that we have together as groups is to gather over a meal. And um, it is what lets us figure out how to get along. And I, I you know, the other thing is alcohol which cuts down the inhibition so that you are willing to say the things that you wouldn't ordinarily be uh, that, you know, you'd be reticent to say. So all that stuff, all that food stuff ties together to unite us, to, to break down the barriers for communication. And there's nothing better really than, than experiencing a different cuisine. You know, you connect with people that way first, and then you can figure out the other ways. But I mean, if your food's delicious, then why would I want you as an enemy? Think, think about, Think about that special thing. Wait, what did you just say? And how did you say it? Is it there, there's something very, very special about trying something you have not tried before? And somebody say more about that. I mean, there's a, to me, there's just something so exciting. Like they showed me what I could bring home pine, even though I don't want a Christmas tree, and I will, sm- and it will smell. I mean, it it just meant so much that I learned that from them, you know, and. Why why do I get so excited tasting something when I'm out with people that I would not normally taste? Anybody have an answer for that? <laughs> I'm gonna I mean <laughs> <laughs> Philip does. Um I can just share like a, a quick anecdote. Um for me, it's because when you're trying something new, it's connected to the person that showed it to you. Um for me, miso soup with potatoes and chaboki is such an amazing comfort food. It's not at all one that I grew up with, but it's one that has been made for me by my friends. Uh, one of whom is Vietnamese, but the other is um, half Japanese. And I could just go to their house and be like, I'm, I'm sick or I'm feeling down. And they're like, let me make you some miso soup. Um, or... You know, um, verbena tea, one of my friends in France had a whole plant outside. I said, I love tea. He said, oh, well, have you tried just straight verbena tea? Because I have some. Every I have that tea now, I think of him going out into his garden, cutting that tea for me, uh, cutting the plant so I can make some tea. Um, and I think that that's what brings that excitement, those connections. I think it's the human experience. You know, for you, Rena. Finding out that you can cut off the the bottom of a tree, Christmas tree, and heat it up, and then it fills your your home. You had an experience because of somebody else. So we love sharing those things, but I think it just comes down to the human experience, new experiences that that come our way. It's the it's the association, the close association of food and powerful memories for me that always brings me back to why food is so important. I just got back from spending Thanksgiving in New Mexico with some family that I used to stay with years and years ago. And we went to the taco shop that we always used to go to. Just delicious, deep fried, so bad for you tacos stuffed <laughs> with 
stuffed with birria and green chilies and oh man so good and i just whenever i think of new mexico i think of that taco shop whenever i think of my aunt and uncle i think of outdoor trails new mexico los alamos green chilies delicious food there's a food's always there it always works its way in and it is that shared that shared feeling of associating a close memory or relationship with a food and it's never too far from my brain and i just had to run off to go turn down my beans from boiling over so that i you know couldn't hopefully make another one later this evening (laughs) um but uh yeah i'm glad everybody has that it's just wonderful to see it here and i have to say this whole podcast has just transformed my mood okay I wasn't in the best of mood an hour ago, but when you started talking about the food, Jonathan, I could not get the smile off my face. Like my my, my mouth is almost hurting. So basically, you guys have all gotten me high as everything, as anything, talking about food and love and connection. So thank you. Isn't it funny (laughs) how you look forward to things? Like I'm having a steak tonight. I have a friend um, connected to somebody else who just bought a farm upstate New York. And just as a favor, he just, hey, I want you to try the steak. And phenomenal. I don't need it a lot, but phenomenal. Can't wait to get home. And that's what's going on the grill. But not to get religious here, when we think about food, the Last Supper, just saying. You know, as <laughs> when we when we look at all of this here, uh, depend, doesn't matter what religion you are, there's a connection to food somewhere too. Always is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do wish we could all have a meal right now instead of virtual, uh, right? just talking virtually. Wouldn't that be fun? Wouldn't oh, you, you know? Come up with this thing. You know, you're on it. Like if we would just press a button and we could teleport all to one room. Mm-hmm. You bring the beans. I'll bring the steak. Everybody brings the. Right. How cool would that right. be? That would be heaven. That right? would be heaven. Right. Yep. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So we have about a, a minute or so left. Any final thoughts on food and the uh, the love and connection to it? Right off the top of your brain, what do you want right now? What's coming up? An espresso. <laughs> Good one. Uh, cream spinach. You just finished an espresso. I, I will have a multiple. Did you say cream of spinach? Cream spinach, yeah. Yeah, that's that. that, mm-hmm. that cream that, spinach. That, it's got to go with the steak. It's like a, it's kind of a thing for me. And I think it goes back to being a kid. You know, kids don't eat a lot of vegetables. My mom used to make cream spinach. I actually ate that. The rest of the stuff, not so much. Nachos. My new new comfort food, I can't go a week without everything bagel with lox. Deluxe, deluxe Mm. lox bagel. Okay. Delicious. Mm -hmm. That's my new comfort food. It's a good one. (laughs) How about you, G? For me, for me, it's got to be the red beans and rice on Jonathan's stove. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I, I was saying to my daughter the other day, like, she loves Taco Bell. I can't even tell you how many times a week, either DoorDash or go through the drive-thru. And I looked, I said to her, you know what? As much as I want to say, like, here we go again, fast food. Tacos don't get old for me. Just a regular taco. That's fine. Uh, That's all good. That's all good. Uh, Philip, how about you? First thing comes to mind, the espresso food. What what do you got? You know, so I'm, I'm experimenting with this right now. I'm trying to get it to work. Speaking of tacos, I am trying a... Uh, mac and cheese taco 
with a uh, spicy jalapeno cheese cheddar and with um, crusted using, uh, you know, like a creme brulee sort of thing. And that's that's this weekend's experiment. We will see how that turns out. That sounds good. I have so many questions. (laughs) We don't have the time. (laughs) (laughs) I saw this as an AI generated food thing and it's like, I must make this. Why can't you take a blowtorch or just one of those, you know, those torches for $20 at Home Depot, light it up and just. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you, you, you know, the problem is we're on radio, but so you have the taco and it's got the curve. So you put the mac and cheese into it. It's already cooked. And you take the blowtorch and you crust it. Yeah. Yeah. That's how Mm. this is. This is going to be the test. Don't tell Taco Bell. That crunchy and chewy and cheesy thing (laughs) should just be perfect. I, I think you could you could create a restaurant like that. They have mac and cheese restaurants. I think that should be on the menu. It should be on the menu. Wow. Uh, guys, great talk today. Uh, I wondered where we were going with this. I really was in terms of the food and the the love and the connection. Uh, but it's there in a, in a big way. You, you, looked per, you looked perplexed when we said food. You looked perplexed at first. But then again, food, how bad could it be? Yeah. <laughs> there, you, there you go. Exactly. There you go. Exactly. It's a relatable. Uh, Rena, if somebody wants to connect with you about food or otherwise, anything, how do they do that? That would be Rena Miller, R H E N A Miller at gmail.com. Awesome. Yep. Uh, great talk today. Totally appreciate it. Thank you, everybody. And uh, bon appetit. Bon appetit. Thanks. We'll be right back. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. It's Thursday night and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Started off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. And there's the photo booth. All right, everybody squeeze in. Say cheese. Followed naturally by an order of wings. And another. Can we get some extra ranch sauce? Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly, it's back to the car, which, if you're buzzed... ...could be the most expensive night of your life. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.